On this episode of the Three Beers, Two Guys, One Movie podcast, Rod and I continue our journey through Netflix, but first we discuss our brewery of the week. We do a little discussion on the coronavirus, then we dive deep into the Bad Batch. We play a little real line, fake line, and then we end it with a little would you rather. So let's go! Two guys, one movie podcast. My name is Matthew Scott. And I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Rod Budman. Today, we're going to be talking about the movie The Bad Batch as we journey through Netflix and try to review every single fucking movie that's on there. Um, how you doing, Mr. Rod Budman? You doing good? I'm doing fantastic. I love the idea of doing every movie on Netflix. I mean, I feel like it's a great idea. Every single person probably has the struggles scrolling through Netflix, trying to find something to watch. So if you're struggling, trying to find something to watch, listen to us. We're going to tell you if it's good or bad. We're going to give you all the advice. It's going to be fun. Listen, just keep going. Just keep following us and we're going to get you going. Um, anyway, so this is the uh, podcast that not only we talk about movies, we also talk a little bit about beer. And since we try to find some type of beer that relates thematically to the movie that we're doing reviews i think that's a nice little tie-in it's really cute i think it's a great idea uh <laughs> anyway so today we're talking about the bad batch which is a uh set in sort of a dystopian future sort of hell space kind of like mad max and i did a little research and i found this brewery out in uh tacoma washington called dystopian state um looking at it right now they've won a bunch of bunch of small brewery rewards it looks like a fantastic place to get a nice brew and also just enjoy good company so if you're out there dystopian state i'm going to tag you on instagram and on twitter and maybe facebook i haven't created a facebook page or whatever so it'd be great if you guys are listening to just sort of you know pay it forward and share our little tiny fucking podcast it'd be fantastic but anyways I just want to give a shout out to them. Um, you know, <laughs> right now I'm looking at a picture. It's completely empty. So people must uh, must not be there because of the coronavirus. <laughs> no, I mean, like in Washington, it's a big deal, Rod. I mean, uh, it's uh, spreading rapidly. It's getting kind of scary. It's spreading all over the place. Uh, here's a little question for you, Rod. Let's... Uh... <laughs> Let's 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 just do just a little tiny scenario just to get you thinking. Let's say um, the coronavirus was in a petri dish, and you had to choose your biggest, baddest, most badass white cell warrior to face the coronavirus. Who would win, the coronavirus or your white blood cells? Uh, that's that's me all day, man. 
I think the money line on that one's like minus eight thousand. Oh, really? Coronavirus plus. Yeah. What if it was like a gang of like really, really tough coronaviruses versus just your best white blood cell? It's been a good run. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is there any incentive to touching the Petri dish? No, no, but you could control your white blood cell with like a joystick, like sort of like, uh, you know, Super Smash Brothers or something like that. Well, then I may employ and you. And give it some type of weapon. Well, if we're doing Super Smash Brothers, I'm probably going to be Zelda and Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, so you give your white blood cell sword, how many coronaviruses could you could you take out? Probably 80. Yeah, I mean, they're smaller and white blood cells are pretty big and powerful. I'm just guessing that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, 80,000. <000. laughs> I don't even know if that's even close to... Act in terms of ratio and size, it almost sounds racist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, There's no reason to say that at all. <laughs> um, what about you, Matthew? Um, I'm actually quite worried. I don't know. I'm in like a perpetual state of feeling like I'm kind of sick, but also not sick. So I don't know if that means my antibodies are good or or trash. So it's almost like I feel like I'm constantly getting exposed to sickness i've got some like perpetual cough but i don't think it's like a cold i think it's more just that i don't dust (laughs) so i just cough all the time so people think i'm sick i really don't know i would like to think that if somebody sneezed all over me and gave me the coronavirus that i would have like the immune system fortitude that i would get through it but i don't know i'm giving my my system smaller odds than you but i still think i would get by but i'd probably have i'd probably get get symptoms I'd probably get worse symptoms. I think that you got to be positive and that'll make you, um, that that encourages, the little white blood cells hear you, Matthew. Yeah. So they, so they I'm multiply. Not, I'm still in confidence in, in, in to my white blood cells. Like I'm not a very good motivator, halftime speech. Like they're probably getting bloodied and bruised by the coronavirus and I got to go in to the locker room and inspire them a bit. Yeah, you need <laughs> to be like Leonidas in 300 here. Yeah. That's like, a bad guy. Like Jurgen Klopp or some shit like that, just constantly motivating and yelling and cursing in German. All right, <laughs> all right. So we're, we're we did a little current events. I feel like that's nice. So this podcast not only is doing movies, not only doing beers, we're also talking about the the big events of the day. I mean, I'm not. I hope we don't sound too worried about the coronavirus, but we're also highlighting that it's it's something you should you know. Think about a little bit. Take precautions. Wash your hands. Keep your distance from people that look dirty. <laughs> or cough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So if someone's really dirty and coughing, stay away from them. But if somebody looks really clean and nice, just go ahead and lick their face. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on. We're going to talk about our uh, top five picks which sure that we're going to do on every podcast. Um, for the Bad Batch... This movie features a lot of, I won't say explicit drug scenes, but drugs are actually kind of like a big, big proponent in this movie. It's a big deal in uh, how, I don't know, I don't really know how to explain it. Anyways, so what we're going to do is we're going to give our top five drug scenes in some of our favorite movies or TV shows just to sort of get um, 
people think and get people reacting. Hopefully they respond in the comments and tell us how shitty our picks are or something like that. But hey, if they do that, that means they're listening and that's fucking great. So <laughs> I'm not out for rewards. I'm out for attention. <laughs> All right. So Rod, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll let you lead us off here tonight. Okay. All right. So I'm going to do um, my first pick. It's a uh, it's from a little comedy that we saw in high school, and I'm gonna be perp- I don't want to like start with an anecdote, but I <laughs> I remember when people watched this movie in high school. I didn't get to see it. Uh, I don't know if I was sick or if I just wasn't allowed to see it because it was rated R. It wasn't in high school. This was actually middle school. So this is um scene the opening scene from Super Troopers, where uh they uh have to eat the guy has to eat the whole bag of mushrooms, and he starts tripping in the back of a cop car which is basically everyone's worst nightmare in high school not only to get arrested with drugs but also to be fucking high as shit while you're arrested with drugs uh, <laughs> i feel like every single person in school was quoting this movie and i had no idea and i just felt like the loser who was left out which is always super sad when you're in school that every single person knows something that you don't but uh did you see that were you part of the cool club that got to see that movie and was quoting it all the time i still haven't still seen it <laughs> that is that not movie, a joke that movie and i can specifically remember wedding crashers were the two movies that i didn't see like on time like everyone saw wedding crashers apparently i didn't get the phone call in high school to see wedding crashers i remember coming back to school on monday and everyone just started quoting that movie and just feeling completely and totally left out but i mean that's that's definitely not like a scarred memory i like <laughs> i'm being sarcastic of course i uh Tons of memories of being left out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rod, you go for your number five, and hopefully it's not as dark and sad as mine. <laughs> um, so I think my number five is it's a lot of scenes in The Big Lebowski. Um, okay. I, like, I like to really tie in my tie-ins. So, you know, Jeff Bridges was in our last movie, Hell or Hot Water. He's also the dude. Yeah. And... Um, there's a lot of scenes, but I think when he's talking to, you know, Mr. Jeffrey Lebowski in the West Wing by the fireplace, <laughs> and um, he, he says something along the lines of, you know, like, uh, good things don't, ha- or bad things don't happen to good people, you know, and he's like, he's secluded in the West Wing, basically, and Jeff Bridges tries to lighten the mood by saying, hey, man, you mind if I do a J? Yeah, <laughs> he also it's in that scene too where uh, what does he say like what makes a man and he says oh that the pair of testicles yes that that's what he says before he's it's, it's like grown men cry <laughs> grown men cry Philip Seymour Hoffman I mean that movie's stacked but I mean star studded it's got Jeff Bridges it's got uh like you said Philip Seymour Hoffman it's got Tara Reed before she became like super weird and unattractive and it's got a uh, what's his name John Goodman <laughs> all-star comedy person all right <clears throat> any more to add on Big Lebowski or you got you through with that one uh, I mean I think that's good for that one I mean just the general doobie vibes they're kind of constantly scattered or ash I do want to like mention not I know it's not the specific scene you were talking about, but it happens in the exact same room. But later in the, is it later in the movie when Walter Shobjack, who's John Goodman, comes in and he's like, I've seen a bunch of fucking spinals, dude, and this guy's a fucking faker type thing. Remember that? Like, yes, which is almost yes. 
fun, saddest things, and he picks me. This guy fucking walks. <laughs> he picks him up, and then he just falls flat to the ground. And I, th- I mean, I feel like it just, like, he goes, oh, and then almost just cuts away. Like, we don't get, like, a resolution to whatever happened. Not that, like, he died, but, like, I'm just imagining that Brant came in, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and had to, like, sort of, like, scurry him up. I'm, like, he's, like, the main Jeff Lebowski's just, like, yelling and embarrassed and then maybe, like, defecated himself or some shit. But we never got, like, a funny scene has to help him back into his wheelchair, and it's just embarrassing. All right. So I want to get that off my chest. All right, so we're going to go to... <laughs> we'll go to my number four, and since I said we could do TV shows, I'm going with... Uh, it's the first season of Silicon Valley. Uh trying to decide what name they want to name their uh, new company or whatever. Like they have this name called Pied Piper, but most everyone in the company hates it. So uh, TJ Miller, who's who plays this guy named Ehrlich Bachman, who's just kind of like this big overweight dude that kind of made a bunch of money, but also kind of is super lazy. Uh, he wants to go on a vision quest to like come up with a name and in doing so he wants to eat like a whole, whole shitload of like mushrooms and so he eats the mushrooms like in the car on the way to the desert where he's going to do this vision quest. But he misjudges it because he gets like winds up getting stuck in all this traffic. So he starts tripping his face off while he's in his car. <laughs> and anyways, like you see this like montage of him kind of tripping and coming up with different names for the company. But then it just cuts immediately to him being locked in a gas station bathroom, <laughs> like yelling just the stupid cities or whatever. And uh, I mean, it's it is funny, but it also I'm just I feel like I, I make these picks because they're relatable. I just talked about how uh, the other one I felt left out in high school, but this one feels a little too close to home because I definitely have woken up in weird places and being like super embarrassed about it. So I mean, I don't want to get into any anecdotes about that. So <laughs> unless you got something, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear more on that one. Maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe in like the the next podcast we'll get into more anecdotes about how. We found ourselves in weird places. <laughs> Maybe when the audience gets a little bit more familiar and with me and we get a little bit more intimate, but right now we're going to keep our distance because of the coronavirus, not just <laughs> physically, but also emotionally distant as well. <laughs> I agree with that. All right. So you're so, number four. So my number four is from um, Flight with uh the denzel washington denzel washington and john goodman wow you're just going to <laughs> yeah man i, I do my times with battalions <laughs> and um denzel washington ha- is really hung over but he's got i don't know if he's got to go before like the faa or if he's got to go before like the lawyers for the airline he works for um <sighs> But basically, to get him back to feeling good, they call on none other than John Goodman, who's this like traveling. I don't know if he's traveling or if he's just in that town. Do you know Matthew? I haven't. I've seen. I've only seen the clip of this. I don't. I, I don't That's really have right. a story of this. Well, I like to think he's traveling because he's a rather elite drug delivery drug dealer, <laughs> and he he shows up and at this hotel where Denzel is and um, he basically is just like you know well you look like you're hurting for certain buddy <laughs> he suggests that he does a cocoa puff 
and he he goes, you know, CeeLo, you go guard the door, referring to Don Cheadle, which that always tickles my belly because him and CeeLo Green are. Dude, this is an all-star drug scene. You've got <laughs> Denzel, you've got John Goodman and Don Cheadle all just watching someone do some cocaine. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And it's called a Cocoa Puff. And um, he does, you know, he, he tells me to get a little primer in each one. And as soon as he does it, can't you hear me knocking, starts playing, and all is good in Denzel's world. And it's just a great scene. But I mean, is that the best song ever for cocaine, or is there something better than that? Uh, that's prop that and like. That's probably one of the more glorifying ones. I feel like that song's almost like Pablo's dog for like uh, for people who've done COVID. Once you hear that, no, 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 you start getting a little itchy. I know, like I'm sort of rubbing my uh, rocking chair right now, and not that that means too much, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I so mean, I'm- even if they didn't have the line in the song about the cocaine eyes, like it still is a very much like a. Just a really good riff. <laughs> I remember one of our friends actually said, uh, I guess, and I don't know this, and I don't know how to look up people's history on Spotify or whatever, but one of our friends, I remember, uh, was like, he just like called me in the morning, and he was like, God damn it. Uh, like, can't you hear me knocking at like three o'clock in the morning last night? And I was like, what's the big deal? And he was like, well, all my friends are going to like look at it and see and know exactly what I was fucking doing. <laughs> I mean, I think he's also just being a little too self-conscious. Like, I have no idea how to look up that information. But I wouldn't, I don't, I guess if you saw the exact time and date of somebody here listening to that song on, on Spotify at 3 o'clock in the morning, you might jump to some conclusions. Yeah, that could have just been the uh, Cocoa Puffs talking. Sounds like a little bit yeah, of the, the, paranoia. The post-Cocoa Puffs anxiety. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go to my, this is number three now. Um, I'm going to go with this. We're going back straight to um, cocaine, but I'm going to go to Lord of War, the scene where uh, Jared Leto is sketching out the entire outline of Ukraine in giant. I mean, they're very, very thick lines of coke. And not only are they thick, like it's almost like the perfect outline of Ukraine. If like it's almost, I don't want to say like artistic, but almost, I don't want to say this, autistic because the amount of like attention to detail he had to put into that because it's almost it's almost amazing that that's what makes it unbelievable is that like and i don't mean like unbelievable like oh my god he did it like it's not believable at all that anyone who has that much coke would spend that much time doing that like attention to detail without just going fuck it i'm doing the cocaine instead like i I just don't anyways it's like a i want to say like it takes up the whole coffee table it's a huge almost two scales get like i mean two detail of all the little regions of little nuances of ukraine's border all done in cocaine it was almost like it was traced by like a stencil <laughs> like a cocaine stencil which honestly isn't like that bad of a business idea like if people want to cut lines but also be sort of um you know creative about it like if you wanted to do like a little uh, you know, like an animal or something like that. It's like, okay, let's break out the cocaine stencil and we'll draw a little tiger or something like that. I don't know. I think that could yeah. sell, but you you wouldn't be able to sell it like Walmart. You'd have to sell it somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, I think that would take off. 
Club. I think so. it would. I mean, I mean, I can just see like you know Billy Mays who pitched OxyClean. Like he could just start pitching. Like, are you tired of doing just boring lines of coke? <laughs> do you want to do something a little bit more exciting? We've got stencils. We've got maps. We've got everything. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we could. It just starts with stencils. It could grow into something else. I mean, I'm sure all sorts of little dyes and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Color, colors, yeah, colors. I mean, can you you could do the American flag, red, white, blue, and just make it all sort of perfect. That'd be, I mean, you could sell a million of those just for Fourth of July at the lake. I mean, if people are willing to snort it, you know, with all that goes into it, I don't think they'd mind a little bit of food coloring in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got a couple people's boots down in Peru that have stomped <laughs> on it. Lord knows where those feet have been. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, probably, who knows, probably got some ringworm placed in your cocaine, who knows. <laughs> All right, Look, you got, this is you a very interest, interesting just question. I mean, how, the, how are people going to get drugs, coronavirus? Are you talking, I mean, I feel like the uh, the drug cartel industry, industry are some of the most creative and maneuvering people around. Like, I'm sure they're going to be able to find some way to get them in, if that's what you're wondering, or... Or do you? Or are you just talking about the hand-to-hand -hand deals that go down? Like no one wants to exchange money and touch the dealer's hand. Or what? Do you, what do? You, what are you talking about specifically? Um, more of the how does it get from there to here now? You think that there's just going to be a lockdown in terms of transportation? Yeah, uh, that it just if we're going to carry on the line of news updates. Um, yeah. But what if all the beaches are empty and they can just take a little mini submarine because no one wants to be around a huge group so the beaches are empty? I mean, they could probably just, I'm sure there's ways to get it in. I'm sure they're going to find some way. I feel like of all the industries that you have to worry about in terms of supply, I feel like I don't think you're going to have to worry about. They're, 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 they have creative methods and they don't have to worry about the law in terms of how it gets here. To number three for uh, Rod Budman. My number three is going to be from a new show. I don't think you've seen it, but I literally just heard about it and watched the entire season one of it in one day. Um, it's called Black Monday. It's on Showtime with Don Cheadle. You know, keeping my tie-ins with my tie-ins. <laughs> and um, basically it's about the stock market crash of 1987 and kind of the lead up to it, but it's got a lot of comedic relief. And by that, I mean that Don Cheadle literally does two eight balls of cocaine in every episode of the movie. <laughs> I mean, every episode of the television show. And my, I mean, there's a lot of scenes to choose from, but. It's does he have like cool paraphernalia or what's his, what's his modus? How does he do it? Um, so he does employ some cocaine art in one of the episodes and make no, sure is he you know, like a case or does he always keep, keep it in like a bag or like what does he have like his it's own it's 1987 and he's he's like this hot shot on wall street yeah so he's got like he, he has a lamborghini limbo limo called the limbo or yeah the limbo um you know it's just excess everything and he's got people that are carrying stuff for him but uh mostly they're just doing it in the office yeah um, but my favorite scene to answer your question would be his, um, I think his coolest device is when he does it off the top of a, um, 
of the duck hunt gun from Nintendo. <laughs> and like, you know, the, then they like make a little joke about, yeah, this, this company's going to take off because like they've invested in Nintendo, obviously like right as Nintendo's come out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I love duck hunt and I don't know about the other stuff, but it looked like it probably was fun. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's sort of like combining childhood nostalgia with college nostalgia all in one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm going with Lou on uh, number two now for me. We're going on number two for movies. This is, this is from The Departed. Martin Scorsese film with uh, Jack Nicholson. He literally just reaches his old man hand into a uh, giant bowl of cocaine and he just throws it on. I think, I don't think they're strippers, but it's like just two beautiful women. And he says like, don't move until you're numb, which, you know, is obviously misogynistic and a bit of a power play or whatever. But the, I think just the idea that you feel comfortable throwing around the room is just, I wouldn't want that, but I I would want to experience that just once. Like, I don't want that to be like my life, but I think it would be fun to do that just once and be like, all right, that, I got that on my system. It's almost like a bucket list kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I just, I, I think just in terms of like when I watch some of that, I think of just how much money that is in real life, just a whole bowl of cocaine and like to treat it so frivolously it almost is like oh my god he just scooped out like a grand of coke and just threw it on the floor like it was nothing like it was like a dude powdering his cooking board to throw some dough on but he's just throwing <laughs> curls you know <laughs> the idea of just like throwing coke at people is also really funny <laughs> you know like it's super expensive and also just so so weird just to like take a ball of coke, i mean like a hand of coke i mean and just throw it on some i, I don't i don't know why it's funny i don't it, it just seems like <laughs> because uh, i i think about like all the fiends that i knew in college that like if you did throw a bunch of coke on somebody there would be this moment of silence and then there would just be this moment of contemplation and be like, do we lick it off them or what do we do? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, it's like, uh, we got to come up with the smartest method to preserve this coat. But he's doing it so flippantly, like that's not what's going through people's heads. Like, but in terms of cheap college students who just spent a bunch of money on it, that was supposed to go through my mind. I'm like, Okay, I guess you just gotta like lick it and get like kind of try to get it in your, you know, molars or whatever. Get up in those gums and get a little numb. But I don't know. <laughs> I I I agree. Like, be a lot more. Looks like a lot more fun than just throwing money or making it rain. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, true, and that's I guess, and like, yeah, if you threw money, I guess it's you're not ruining it. So it's it's not as badass. Like if you threw money in the air, like you can still pick it up and be like, oh, that was that was kind of fun to throw in the air. But like it's more badass to not care to like throw like two grand worth of coke on somebody and be like, yeah, whatever. I hope your body feels good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knowing that like maybe 
0.01% of, of that's going to like absorb through their skin. And that's, <laughs> that's if they're really working hard and sweating, you know, otherwise yeah. it's lower. Unless you just, you know, threw it right into their mouth. <laughs> he does. He, he seems like a big, good basketball player. <laughs> basketball. He also loves it. He's had plenty, plenty of uh, relationships, too. So, I mean, I'm sure he could uh, find other holes to throw it in as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's an accurate shooter um all right so that was my number two rod i mean rod you want to um you want to go for yours yeah um so my number two is gonna be from lord of war as well and it's kind of because i don't really believe it's a real thing but also because I love Nicolas okay. Cage, and <laughs> obviously the, I'd say he's the star of the movie over Jared Leto. Of course he is. He's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, he, he's like one of the deals. It's amazing that Nicolas Cage is like the cool, calm-headed, collected person in a movie. <laughs> yeah. He's known for like freaking out all the time, but in this movie, like, there's drugs. And there's tons of weapons, and somehow Nick Cage is just like always in control. <laughs> Whereas every other movie, he's like screaming and yelling and has no idea what's going on. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just realized that. Yeah, and he's always a step ahead of Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Ethan Hawke. I think it's maybe after that That's scene right, where, yeah. where he's like ditched the uh, like cargo airplane and, you know, very quickly comes up with the idea of just telling the people to like basically disassemble the airplane and he's drinking yeah. in the bar and he gets drunk and someone offers him something called brown brown which is a mixture apparently of cocaine and gunpowder and i did a little research and apparently there's <laughs> some people that actually have done it but there was no scientific evidence that it's uh anything um better more special but i mean it's so, just kind of I crazy the idea, like they're using gunpowder yeah i mean i guess the idea is it's supposed to just almost be just dangerous and almost the adrenaline adds to the high not like the actual gunpowder is supposed to make you feel more high or like what's what was the idea you know or what or was it just almost just something cool to say like that you did a line of blow and gunpowder together I don't know. I don't. You make a good point about whether it's a um, like if they're doing it, you know, just to like test their fate or <laughs> fate. Yeah, it's like playing Russian roulette. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if it's that or if it actually does something, but okay. Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna shift gears here for my fifth pick because we've kind of got on like serious movies, and I'm going back to comedy television. For my number one pick, because like I said, I like to do things that kind of relate to me, and I'm going with a uh, that I have experience with. Yeah, I'm going with a Larry David scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm, where not only when he buys uh, weed for the first time, but when he smokes weed for the first time, and so like he's a seventy year old man and he buys this weed, and hey, it's just so awkward. He's 
trying to buy weed in the street. I don't know how to pay for it. That doesn't the price. So it's all sort of set up for comedy. But I want to more talk about the when he actually smokes it. And he has this sort of scene where he's, because he buys it, he buys it for his dad's glaucoma. So this is, I think this whole series was, or at least that season was before weed was legal in uh, California or whatever. So he tried to buy a little weed for his dad's glaucoma. And uh, anyways, he, his dad, like, won't smoke it unless he smokes it with him. So he takes, you know, he, he smokes the joint. And uh, he has this, like, scene where he has to go to the bathroom and he, like, sort of just is completely... I don't... He's not, like, tripping, but he's sort of, like... <laughs> he's so high, he's, like, sort of contemplating his own, like, reality where he's like, who the fuck are you, you fucking loser? Like, he's talking to himself in the mirror, like, you fucking piece of shit, you fucking loser. And he's just, like, yelling at himself, which I don't do that, by the way, but I have had, like, moments where, like, you, like, where you get so high doing something that you almost sort of where you have to look at yourself in the mirror almost just to confirm that you're still who you think you are. Does that make sense? Have you ever done that? Like, like it's almost like you get so detached from what you're doing that you have almost to see your physical presence that almost like kind of... You, you, what you said cut out. My whole... The whole thing I cut out? Like, you couldn't hear me in? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. For how long? I'd say the last 20 seconds. Oh, so, but did you hear, like, the Kirby enthusiasm part? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, like, the last 15 seconds. Okay. So I'll just do the whole... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't... Were you asking me a question? But did, like, did, like, the noise cut out? Is that what you said? It cut like, out. It, it, it just got really jarbled, garbled. Like, huh. and then it, you were, like... And Rod, I don't know if you're asking me something or so I'd say keep it all up until what you're leading to. Okay. So no, no, no. So he gets so high that like he has to like almost like have like a moment of like you get so high that you become detached from reality almost to where like you start thinking about things and start really not under like understanding what's going on so you have to like go see yourself in the mirror just to almost confirm that you almost still exist do you know what i'm talking about does that ever happen to you like the first time i smoked pot and i smoked a lot of it i feel like i just like had to keep looking at myself in the mirror to almost like feel that i still was present in my reality which some of you people probably like oh my god you're fucking you don't have a fucking tolerance. And of course I don't. It was the first time I did it. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was just like sitting there and I had fucking no clue what was going on. I go into the bathroom multiple times just to sort of be like, all right, I'm here. I'm at fucking blah, blah, blah's house. Let's just get this over with. And, you know, we'll start over tomorrow. <laughs> It wasn't like the best experience in the world the first time I spoke by, but I think that this this TV show accurately reflects that because like I, I remember just laughing so hard thinking, oh my god, this seven year old man's going to do the exact same thing I was at fifteen. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think that happens to even uh, the experience. Like I bet Snoop Dogg every once. In, I don't know though, about Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop Dogg probably doesn't do that. He probably knows it. Don Cheadle. I bet like Don Cheadle. I bet he's a weekends month once a weekend once a month weekend smoker. He's probably you know. I really, too I really pity people that go to like music festivals and like do drugs for the first time because they're not like in a safe environment. 
I feel like there's tons of people that must freak the fuck out and have like nowhere really to go to just sort of calm down. They're just surrounded by, you know, tens of thousands of people and like nasty potties and just sort of glaring hot sun. And yeah, I mean, like, I can't imagine. Have to like, I don't know, like, I would, no, I would shit my fucking pants if the first time I like did drugs was at Bonnaroo. Well, if you're a burning man, you'd have to bring a shovel and bury that shit right after you shot. Or you could just get somebody to lick it for you. I mean, I can't imagine a worse place to be in. Like, I've thought about that before. Like, I don't even think I could do that. Like, dead so. I think I would start to hallucinate at the Burning Man. Which I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think it segs nice into our movie because I would. If I had to sum up this movie in 10 words, I'm going to try and sum it up in 10 words. Yeah. It'd be like if the Matrix (laughs) and Burning Man met Mockingjay. Not bad. Um, No, I mean, I I got uh, one like weird anecdote here we're probably getting a little too off topic but i remember one time being in new york and i was in like this like german brew house and like i just i was with some people we're not going to talk about who us but but like we were it was like a communal table and we were talking with these people and uh this like gay couple kept on asking me to go to burning burning man with them i didn't i don't know if they were like joking with me or kind of like also being serious but they're like no you've got to experience it we've got like a car we keep in a garage in brooklyn and you got to come up and we drive it all the way to burning man and i was like you don't have to pitch me on this like the answer is no regardless of how good it sounds like i'm not going with you to burning man it was just <laughs> it was just sort of like one of those experiences where i was like stop right now like there's no way this ends with me even even in making it like even being polite about saying yes like i'm just like no 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 i'm never doing this who proposed this dude we were at this like communal table at this like german brew house in brooklyn and it was like there was like this like we were sitting there and we were right next to this like sort of like gay there was like a gay couple but it was like four or five gay guys all there and we were all sharing the same table and somehow like burning man came up but like the people I was with had like their own separate conversation. And I was like at the end of the table talking with these like five gay people. And they were like, no, 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 you need to come like experience this. Like you're from Alabama. You're like, you know, you don't experience much. You need to come to Burning Man with us. And like, they kept on like trying to like tell me how cool it was. And I'm like, no, you came up to see them fly out to see us. And then we'll take this car ride down. It'll be just this great, like, uh experience and i was like no fuck off like this will never end with a yes like just just don't even let's change the subject i don't want to there's no way this ever ever ends with me going to with a couple of skate guys <laughs> hey now we're going to burning man <laughs> yeah love it up all right so you've got you've got one more pick rod sorry that we've been too anecdotal on this but let's uh you got last one because I started, so I just gave mine Kirby enthusiasm. So you got one more left, unless you only have four. Okay, so um, my top pick, we've got 
one on the short list here. I'm trying to narrow it down real quick. I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to just change it from the last one. It's going to be from Half-Baked. I still love the movie. <laughs> I love Mary Jane. I love Dave Chappelle. There is no tie-in, but that's yeah. how worthy I think the scene is. But the I want to talk to Samson. <laughs> like I still listen to that sometimes. If I'm not yeah. feeling good, I put that on. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it has like of all the things you like, kind of don't. I don't expect to have like a Jerry Garcia reference from uh, Dave Chappelle. Of all people, it's not like he's a deadhead or something like that. But when they throw it, isn't it like they throw like some like powder or something down the ground and like Jerry pops up and starts playing like some little tune or something? What, what? That, that and after no, he, they he, hit, he hits, doesn't he like like hit them with the guitar? Like he like almost saves them or something like that? Or I'm trying to, I haven't seen the movie. It's when they go into 7 Eleven after they've hit Leslie Pipes and they're they're like getting slurpees and they're like, is that Jerry Garcia playing in your playing in my ear? And they like zoom in into like his ear. Jerry Garcia playing. No, but in there, like when they do the I want to talk to Samson thing, like they actually meet Samson and then like oh. Jerry actually appears and then like he like hits somebody with a guitar or something like that. <laughs> or, am I, or am I making that up? I don't, I, that definitely happens. Yeah, definitely no, it happens. Does. And he like hits somebody and knocks somebody out with his guitar, and they're like, "Thanks, Gary!" And then they like keep running or some shit away. Is it it's actually Gary um... Garcia? No, it's not actually Jerry <laughs> Garcia, but it's like, <laughs> no. it's been a while since I yeah. saw that one. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our. Uh, I'm gonna call them. I think what we're gonna call them is our marquee picks. Um, you know, like film marquees so of top five picks. And so we're going to move on to, you know, the star of this show, even though I feel like, <laughs> who knows? We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the actual film that we watched. We're going to talk a little bit about it called The Bad Batch, which is on Netflix, obviously, because that's what we're doing. It was uh, directed by Anna Lily Amapur. Doesn't have too many credits to her name, but sounds like, hey, you're doing something with your life. You're making movies. That's fantastic. Um, it stars Jason Momoa, Suki Waterhouse, who plays the uh, the main character named Arlen. It also features Keanu Reeves and a small part by Mr. Jim Carrey, who sort of has a little cameo and it's hard to find, but he is there. Um, all right. So what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about we're going to try to keep this short. We're going to talk about just sort of five or six scenes that we really liked. And uh, that's going to move. Well, it'll sort of gradually talk about the movie or whatever. But I really do want to talk. I know. Uh, talk about the first scene, <laughs> which I feel like obviously it's the first scene. It sets up the whole movie. But I do want like so the very beginning of this movie, and I I was trying to rack my brain because I did not rewatch this. It's been a while since we saw this because we're kind of a little bit late on recording this. But there isn't some sort of um I, I, I kind of feel like there was was there some sort of like text before the movie's almost like some opening scroll like Star Wars that sort of sets the scene, or is it literally just start with that girl sort of walking into the area? Like, we don't get just, we don't, I think it just starts you off yeah so 
Yeah. So what what's confusing about that is when we first when you watch the movie is so she just walks so she walks past this sign that basically is sort of a, a uh, I almost say like a county line, but it basically says you're no longer in the United States. You're entering this area. You're out of the United States governmental jurisdiction. And she's sort of willful. You get the impression that she's almost willfully walking in. But obviously later, it was almost like you get it's sort of um, understood that she's part of this bad batch. So she's almost forced to get out like she's she has to go into this area. But like when you first watch it, you almost think like, oh, this is sort of some adventurous girl who's sort of making a sort of uh, dangerous sort of decision getting out of the United States, doing some sort of adventure by herself. But the reality is it's not that. Um, it, I mean, did you get that impression when you first watched it or what What what'd you I mean, <laughs> I don't, like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is going to be about some girl that's. Uh, that sort of gets mixed up in something she didn't understand. Like she wasn't forced to go in there. She's sort of just trying to be rebellious and doing something, but that's not the case. That, that's all I sort of, I just thought it was a little bit confusing. No, I agree. I don't, I don't know if she got sent there or if she's like. Well, know. she did. They don't make it clear is what I'm saying in the, in the opening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, it'd be more clear if, like, they like sort of like showed like at the beginning. So the very first scene is some like bus full of rejects getting out and like some like government employees like with guns like forcing them into the area. But it's also the first scene. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. It's also weird because like it's almost as if she arrived by herself because they like put her through the gate. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's just her. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you would think it would be like a group of people with like some government people being like, all right, you got to go to the bad badger, you know, like and like forcing them into it or whatever. But instead, it's just her. It makes it like feel like she's just sort of wandering on her own accords in there. But anyways, so she wanders into the desert and then like she kind of is sort of aimlessly wandering around and sort of the opening scene is she gets chased down by like basically two old women in a golf cart, which you would think. I mean, it doesn't sound exciting at all, and it really wasn't, but it's kind of like just funny that the first opening exciting scene is someone getting chased <laughs> in a golf cart, <laughs> which I don't know. It's almost sort of anticlimactical, anticlimax kind of thing. Like you'd think like, oh man, it's an opening scene, tons of explosions, we're going to have like all big fast things, but basically it's just some some grannies chasing some woman in a golf cart and then she catches <laughs> But no, I mean, it sets the stage. They don't have tons of technology or whatever, but I mean, she gets caught and uh, that's when we learn sort of what's going on is that these people that have been sent to the area, some people have been, uh, uh, you know, it's a lawless society and these people are, you know, essentially cannibals and they tried, they literally, I was like the almost the second or third scene, they cut her arms off and her legs off and then they... I guess we don't actually see them eat her her body, but it is like it's just sort of like a rough, rough sort of first scene, right? Or first like opening two or three minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it'd be like walking out onto the playa at Burning Man, basically. It's what I'm <laughs> vision. Yeah, instead, of, like you don't get shawarma, you get uh, people's people's body parts to eat. <laughs> but uh, 
But no, I kind of, I, I just wanted to sort of talk about that opening scene just in terms of like how kind of confusing it was. But the one scene I did want to talk about in terms of, so she's in this sort of compound of cannibals that have sort of uh, made this community. There's like some dudes who are super fit and that's like their sort of thing is they're the fittest dudes on this sort of desert dystopian landscape. And then there's also some women who live there super like rough or whatever. But, uh, and you just get the understanding that they sort of have found a way to live in here by surviving, by eating sort of like literally eating people, they're cannibals, but like the new, the new sort of bad batch that gets forced into this society that they don't really know what's going on. So these people are kind of preying on the new people that come in and they, they cut them up, but they keep them alive, I guess, because that preserves the meat. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so I thought this was like a really clever sort of scene. Anyway, so this girl has already had her arm removed and like her her bottom of her leg removed, and she's sort of chained up to whatever. And they sort of like give her like a bedpan to shit in. And I thought this was like a really smart thing. So instead of like sort of shitting in the bedpan and like being clean, she like remember she like rubs it, like finds a way to like roll around in it and rub it all over herself. Which is like really smart because the IT on logic is they don't want to eat me if I'm covered in shit. <laughs> I would do the just, same thing if I went to prison. I mean, that's uh, I mean that like I, I at first I was like, what is this girl doing? She's insane. And then it literally was like, oh yeah, they gotta clean her off, and they and like that gives you an opportunity to sort of escape, like. I, if I was in that state of mind, like I just had like my arm sawed off and my leg sawed off, I don't know if I'd be thinking that like clearly, but I thought it was really, really, really clever <laughs> to sort of be like, yeah, I guess I'll just roll around in my shit. That gives me an opportunity to escape. <laughs> I, I agree. I, she, she was smart. Um, yeah, so it gives you a little idea of who this main character is. She's sort of obviously got her wits about her. I do want to talk about this, though, because we did talk about drugs, obviously, in the opening, sort of our, our picks. But when they initially sort of saw off her arms and legs, they do, like, inject her with, I, I don't know if it's some anesthetic or if it's uh, morphine or something, but... That's was one of my like first thoughts going through this movie. I was like, "Oh my goodness, they're like sort of wasting valuable as like valuable commodities on someone they're about to eat." Like either they have a bunch of fucking morphine or anesthetic just sort of sitting around, or like, why are they sparing this girl her pain <laughs> when they're literally about to eat her? Like I was like, "What? What are you doing?" Like it doesn't make any sense. I was like, "Save that for yourself." Like you've got nothing to do in this life. You might as well get a little bit pleasure out of some type of pharmaceuticals you have on hand it's one way yes unless it's, unless there's sort of like pleasure i mean like a, a beat not pleasure killing but being sort of like polite in the way they're like oh i mean she's still like a human being let's at least spare her her pain as we saw her legs and arms like <laughs> they still have some compassion as they're about to like <laughs> They're not compassionate cannibals. Yeah, yeah, the honor bones or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. Dystopia. Huh? That coronavirus? I hope not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so she's been like banished to this sort of dystopian sort of desert hellhole. But I think I guess going into it, she must know that like. 
that there is uh, oh no she gets she sort of escapes and then she goes uh she gets found right somebody somebody from that sort of community which is called the dream finds her and they sort of bring her to that community the remember hope? is it hope find hope oh is it find hope or was it find the dream or was it it's hope is it hope Okay, but I think I find the dream is in, your, in a later bit when you can try and stump me with lines. Oh, okay. No, no. But no, it's definitely the dream. I mean, Keanu Reeves' character is called the dream. Like, he doesn't even have a name. But the little so, town, I think, is called Hope. the town called Hope? Oh, okay. But we don't even have to get into that. So we're going to get into this next scene. So she even, like, she goes... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to... <laughs> um, unless you've got something to add, because I was just going to go down so this... Oh, okay. All right. So, um... <laughs> the next scene I didn't want to talk about, which so this this girl, her name's Arlen or whatever, so she's sort of the main character. And uh obviously she's got a little grudge to pick with these cannibals because they cut off her arms and legs. Uh but anyway, she gets she gets rescued and brought to this town and they do set her up with a nice little prosthetic leg, which I think is sort of, you know, in this sort of hell space that they're in. Like they're like, hey, guess we got, you know, spare legs, so here you go. So she's back to walking. She is still missing her arm. But not only does she get a spare leg, she has like a house to stay in with like, I don't think running water, but maybe like electricity. It's almost like none of this shit's really under like explained too much. But anyway, so she's, you know, she's she's got a bone to pick with these cannibals. It's probably not a smart idea, but she finds some gun and she starts wandering outside of this community to go back and find them. I didn't want to talk about this. So what we see is there's this like woman who's in this like biohazard dump, like trash dump. And uh, she brought that little girl with her. So Jason Momoa's character, who's who's like the main cannibal, the strongest cannibal. So like the alpha fucking wolf pack leader of the cannibal. Um, he has like a little daughter who he obviously cares for. So he eats people, but he loves his daughter. And uh, this woman, like, brings the daughter with her to, I guess, teach her how to forge through biohazard trash. And anyway, so this woman, she literally, like, is jumping through trash, but she, like, literally snaps her leg. Do you remember that? Like, she yeah. jumps through trash, and she literally breaks her leg, and she has, like, it's not, like, just, like, a break. It's, like, a, Com like, is it compound? Is that the wrong? But it, whatever it is, the like, bones the bones out. stick. The bone is sticking out through the skin. So here's what I just want to say about this. You're dead already. All right. You're in like you're in this area. It's it's like a nuclear wasteland trash dump. And you're you've got an exposed wound like you're fucking dead. Right. Like there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> so anyways, this Arlen girl comes back with a gun and she sees this. So this this woman who broke her leg is like someone who. I was sort of mildly responsible for getting her and eating her or whatever. Um, remember, she comes back with the gun and then she shoots this woman right in the face and yes. right in front of that girl. But we almost <laughs> are like, we've, oh man, this 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 girl means business, or we are like, oh, she's vengeful. She like it's sort of a character trait. But you could also interpret it as uh, this Arlen girl was taking this woman out of her misery because this girl this woman was about to just have all sorts of infections right i mean yes. like it was literally i mean I, I i don't know where this is 
because it says you're outside the state of Texas, so it could be Mexico, but it also could be New Mexico, and that's where they did all sorts of you know nuclear tests before World War II. So we could be talking about this is sort of like some nuclear hellscape. So it, they could all be just sort of getting all sorts of tumors and shit regardless. But the last thing you want when there's tons of radiation, I imagine, is just an open wound that nobody can fix and just having tons of tons of whatever it is that, you know, grows in these radiation zones, just finding a new home inside your leg. I mean, anyways, that's just <laughs> all, all I wanted to say about that is that yeah, so we got we got we got a little taste of what it's like, but I think the idea was originally that we get this Arlen girl. We're supposed to say, oh yeah, she's a tough cookie. She's killing like she's getting revenge on this woman. But the reality is, when you kind of think about it, and you know, after viewing, you're like, you could also view it in a different way. That she's also sort of sympathetic, being like, oh, this woman's gonna die in a heap of garbage in a very painful way. I might as well take her out of her misery. Yeah, and I mean, there again, you wonder why she didn't save the morphine for herself. I mean, I think Jason Momoa probably would have come back and gotten her. Um, Yeah, so she she takes this little girl with her. Do you think she takes her out of sympathy, or do you think she takes her out of spite? I think that's her, I think that's like her daughter. What? I think that's her and Jason Momoa's daughter. Wait, you think they they actually like knew each other before they were banished and they had a kid? Is that what you're getting at? I think they had that child in the Bad Batch. Wait, what? How does that even work? I mean, why else would she be taking the girl out there? I think she just saw like an innocent person that kind of grew up in a terrible environment. Instead of leaving her to die, she sort of took her back with her. I don't think they actually... Oh, uh, I'm talking about... I think the girl that she shot oh. was the girl's oh, mother. Oh, oh, okay. All right, all right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's 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 very plausible. So that's why I think Jason Momoa would have, like, come out and got... Oh, and, and that makes sense as to why, like, Jason Momoa would let that girl go with that older woman. That's what I was wondering, too. I was like, why, why is this older woman taking someone that Jason Momoa is so protective of to the trash dump, it would make sense if it was like their shared daughter. So I think you you might be probably are right there. I, I never made that connection. I'm a big fan of uh, movie scores. I think that's the correct term. Uh, <laughs> and um, I just wanted to add to that yeah. you were talking about earlier when they inject her Go with ahead. the numbing agent. Or what? God damn it. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. And now um, we're good. When it's, connection. Good. After they give her like the anesthetic or whatever, they give her the woman. I, I think it's the same woman that gets shot in what I'm going to call the barren junkyard. Um, she yeah. goes and she turns because like she starts screaming. I mean, like obviously, but she goes and she turns up the radio and You've got a little ace of bass. All that you want <laughs> is another baby playing. Um, oh, oh, so that so that even leads, gives you more evidence to say that's her daughter. Okay, 
no, that then no, I'm with you on that. I real I did not do that much research and I didn't put that much thought into it. So no, you're probably 100 percent right. And like I said, that makes more sense why a super protective dad would let her go to this place. I thought it was just some random woman, but it makes more sense that it's her daughter. All right. So the next scene I kind of want to talk about is um, it's basically like a it's probably almost encompasses almost 30 minutes of the fucking movie. But I'm going to talk about like so she goes back to what, what were you called Hope? Is that what the name of the town is or is it Dream? Yeah, it's Hope. It's yeah. called Hope. It's called Hope. And um, they have like a rave with again, nothing's really explained in terms of how they have like generate electricity or power or anything. But there's this like huge car that's just shrouded in tons of lights and stuff like that. And a DJ emerges and they start handing out free drugs um, and they just start playing, you know, you know, super cool fucking music um, <laughs> that everyone on drugs can dance to. But so she starts tripping and she. She she leaves the compound again, which a is is sort of relatable. Like you can wander off when you're tripping. But um, what what do you think about that whole scene in general, in terms of like the the drug use and also her like leaving and sort of like going off on almost her own sort of wilderness retreat by herself when she's super kind of fucked up. It's yeah no it's it's very it's a very strange scene like. Then Keanu, the dream reads, make like a speech, like almost like Jim James like or Jim Jim Jones like, I mean. Yeah, no, no. That's when you sort of get introduced to Keanu Reeves and he sort of looks like Pablo Escobar meets sort of uh what would you say? Like he almost has this Pablo Escobar sort of feeling to him, but he also is like wearing this like all white suit that you probably like, yeah. I think doesn't Jim Jones wear like a or is it John Jim Jones or is it wears like an all white suit? Or Jim Jones. Jim Jones. But anyway, I, I, I thought I had some analogy. Anyways, he looks like just sort of almost like if Pablo Escobar lost like a hundred pounds, but then <laughs> looks like got inflated with some like water. He looks like bloated. Like he doesn't look like he's like fat. He just looks like he's like kind of just gross. But anyways, he's like the cult leader of this place. Like he's you get introduced to him and he is like sort of. Yeah, he is. He's the leader of this town of outcasts. And I think it's worth mentioning, like they—they're not cannibals in hope, right? That's, no, yeah, yeah. Good point. So this is, yeah. So they have like a whole compound that's sort of walled off with uh, what do you want to say, like uh, not what not it's like semi truck containers. So like they're all stacked on top of each other, right? And they've created like a wall that sort of keeps the cannibals out. And it's also they've also got weapons and stuff like that. So it's like a city that's blocked off from the cannibals or whatever, but they all they do is take drugs and have rapes, which sounds like a great life when you're 19, but, you know, people grow up. <laughs> but these people don't. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. So she so she takes drugs. She gets on, like, this. Like they play a bunch of music. The cult leader comes out. Keanu Reeves gives a speech, but we sort of, like, find her wandering around back out in the desert as she's sort of, like, tripping balls. <laughs> Yeah, she's left the little girl who, like, we, you know, at that point, we think that, you know, she's got a vested interest in the girl's, like, well-being. Yeah. But obviously, Acid has another thing in store for her. Um, I think it's kind of a weird scene. Um, Do you think it's realistic or, like, in terms of, I think wandering off is realistic. I think 
she like walks off. She's like covered in lights. Reminds me of some girls I've seen wandering around fish shows and widespread panic shows are sort of covered in lights. So that seems realistic. <clears throat> um, do you think like, did you feel like, oh man, this reminds me of something or did you think like, well, if, uh, sorry, I kind of interrupted you, but go ahead. Um, I think it's very realistic. Yeah, no, I mean, like you're saying, she's kind of like wandering, like almost like feeling her way around and like moving yeah. really slowly. Um, I definitely have seen some people who look like that's what they were doing. And yeah, no, it's definitely realistic. Did you think it was her first time ever doing drugs or did like it didn't seem like she was freaking out? It seemed like she'd probably been in that scenario before. Yes. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. Definitely, it's not her first rodeo. Yeah, so it was sort of like a weird thing. So she like wanders out into the desert again, and we don't really have like a firm grasp on like how how much distance is between like the Hope City with the cannibals or whatever. But she winds up sort of coming in. So Jason Momoa's character is now searching for his daughter or whatever in this scene too. So she like winds up coming into contact with Jason Momoa and uh, um, he's a scary dude and she knows he's a cannibal. This was like one of my only sort of grievances. If I was tripping balls, I would freak the fuck out if I saw him. But she seems just totally calm being like, hey, what's your problem, man? <laughs> like, it's like, I guess it's almost it's like, no, I guess you could take it two ways. I mean, like, you could either be just so out of it that you just sort of are that way. But I feel like in my experience, I would have been like, oh, shit, like, and freak the fuck out. But her, she just sort of like, do what you want. Like, if you want to eat me again, look and eat. Like, she doesn't say that, but it feels like that. It almost feels yeah. like <laughs> I'm ready to have my arm chopped up again and served up for your fucking community. You know, I don't know. But it, it just felt... That was the one thing that I felt like that that kind of was unrealistic about it. Like the whole time I was like, all right, I, I feel this. I feel this. All right. Now I'm not feeling like in terms of <laughs> in terms of relating to her experience. Yeah, it's almost like I mean, it's a there's a lot of music going on in that scene. And it's almost like he kind of appears out of nowhere, like right behind her. Right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 sort of weird in the sense that uh, how would you find somebody in the desert in the dark? <laughs> I guess she's kind of wearing lights, but like at that point, I feel like she ditched the lights and was just walking around. So it doesn't really make too much sense, unless look. I guess in in a plausible sense, if there is sort of like a a direct road that goes between these places, maybe they both were on it, and they like who knows? Like that's how they found each other. But in a realistic sense, they probably wouldn't have. But hey, for the sake of the fucking movie, they find each other and they sort of like have a moment together. And I, I honestly, I felt like there was so much music going on and also so much sort of like trippy camera work that you couldn't even focus on what they were saying. But I also feel like the dialogue was also manipulated and like the sound was that you couldn't even understand it. It was just sort of like this trippy little moment between kind of two people that was like, Wildly sexual, but also sort of like, also like, no, I'm not into you because you're super high. <laughs> like, <laughs> which again is a relatable moment. I, I feel like honestly, this was something that I was thinking about. This is something that popped in my head when I was thinking about because one time at like a fish show, I feel like after the show, there was some girl that was walking up to me and sort of was like, 
can I come back with you? But it wasn't like a sexual thing. It was, it wound up being like, she would eaten all this like glow sticks and it was like coming out of her mouth. And I will say that she was very attractive, but she was just super fucked up. And she was like, can I come back with you? And at first I was like, Oh, like this is a, a girl that wants to hook up with me, but it was more just like a safety thing. It was like, I've lost my friends. I've lost my phone. You look like a trustworthy person. <laughs> can I come back with you? And I was just like, we got to find somebody that can take care of you. But that's, that's almost what I felt like in this scene was like, he was like, I could really take advantage of this girl, but I just sort of don't want to. And you sort of, you know, like, and not take advantage of her sexually. He's almost like, you're, you, you're good meat. I could eat the shit out of you right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that Miami man, Jason Momoa's character, I think Miami man had already done that deed. I you think, think he was part think, of that meal. Yeah, you like you he probably first, from the first scene. And like I said, he's the alpha, so he probably got like the best piece of her. So like I don't know what's the best piece from the lower arm or the lower leg. Uh what do you think? Maybe the calf or like that. <laughs> I feel like that would be that would be very tender. That's a hard work muscle. Uh yeah. Yeah, we hate to speculate on, you know the human body and how to eat it so um <laughs> the proper ways to season it and the proper ways to prepare it i'm sure they probably you know did a nice little sous vide with some nice side of garlic mashed potatoes there or whatever so <coughs> i want to know where the people in hope get spaghetti and like why is that not I mean, to everyone i i feel like in this sort of this dystopian maybe post-apocalyptic thing or whatever is dry noodles probably could survive some of that if that's maybe what i'm thinking but yeah where did the sauce where did they get the sauce is i guess that's canned again it's canned and dry noodles so that's probably the delicacy they have that's that's just what i'm guessing right yes and to go back to earlier about um they definitely have sewage and water at hope because well, he um, makes he makes a he makes a quote about it, like how he did something with like the sewage or something, and it's like, goes, dude, it's like the take a shit. Yeah, where do you he, think it goes? He's like, he's I like, take I, your shit away from me. He's like, I dug all the pipes, I fucking flush all the toilets. Like it was like something so bizarre and so weird that like. It was something that you almost don't even want to pay attention to that they just like I was listening. I was listening to it being like, all right, when is this going to end? And it just kept on going and going. It was almost like that's it felt like a parody of that scene with like that famous scene with Daniel Day Lewis. And uh, what's that movie where uh, the where he's there will like, be the, blood. Yeah, there will be blood. It was almost like the I take your milkshake thing. But it was like, <laughs> take a shit. And I take it to the root. Like it was like it was like you think you take a shit and it just stays there. He's like, you have no idea where your shit goes. Like I'm the person who dug the hole, and, and you're like, what? It's it's just kind of a big stop. part of the movie, though, dude. It's I mean, of... I guess I, I I feel like it didn't really serve any purpose in terms of like other than mildly explaining the logistics of the city. Like, oh, yeah, I guess the infrastructure there is fine, but it also just sort of gives, 
gives like his sort of like power dynamic that he like owns a city. He's like, when you control the means of sewage, you control everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I did want to talk about this before we get too off topic because we were on that sort of scene about them in the desert. But there's this scene where some dude just shows up on a moped. First of all, he's like a big, big fat dude. And he says something like, trade you this gas for that leg. <laughs> Which he didn't say for that girl. He said that leg as if like that's all she's good for is just like that. Oh, I want some of that thigh meat <clears throat> because he's a cannibal or whatever. But um what did you think about that whole scene in terms of like how that trade went down and how he, uh, a like it, it seemed unnecessary to me, but it happened. But it was kind of funny at the same time. What what did you think about it? I thought that that scene was one of the most perplexing scenes because he basically goes and grabs the like you know a little red gas can, two and a half gallon, and yeah. like starts to I guess. I guess the other guy then starts to go towards Arlen. Yeah, no, like, so, like, yeah, so, like, Jason Momoa kind of pushes her, her towards the guy that, like, wants her, and Jason Momoa is, like, exchanging her for the gasoline. No, you're right. Um, and then what happens is, like, he almost, like, lets this guy, like, load her onto the moped, and then he just turns around and, like, grabs some knives and, like... <laughs> ninja stars and adam which you would think he could just do it in the very beginning but it would i guess you would lose all the tension from the scene like it doesn't make any sense unless he was trying to make a point to the girl that he could trade her like he's like almost like some type of like weird negotiation leverage he's like if i wanted to i could fucking trade you for gasoline like like that's the only thing that like it could like the scene could really make a point like Otherwise, he could just kill that person from the beginning if he just wanted the gas, right? He could just, like, that guy wasn't showing weapons. He wasn't brandishing anything. He wasn't like, hey, man, I'm defending myself. Give me the girl for the gas. I've got a gun or something like that. He was just like, let's just make a simple, honest trade. <laughs> but Jason Momoa had, like, a cleaver and a throwing star that he just sort of threw at him. And, you know, he got both. He got the girl and the, and, and the moped, too, which, A... He should have two mopeds now, but that's not really. We don't yeah, really have first. Where, where did his first moped go? We don't really know. Uh, but yeah, no, I just thought that was a super, super weird scene because, hey, how is somebody so fat in this in this economy? Yeah. <laughs> right, like you don't just get to load up on fast food and like supermarkets and shit. Like this is a really, really stressful life. You don't just. I don't know. I want to know where he's living, where he's getting all this food. Maybe he was a painter. You know, I mean, Miami Man is <laughs> the best drawer I've ever seen in my life. Or sketch artist. <laughs> um, maybe like yeah. the, this guy's like the Leonardo da Vinci of the Bad Batch. So like he can just sit back and like be like, bring me the spoils of war. But then again, he wouldn't have been out looking for food, trading gas. So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. No, like, I guess in a, maybe he owns like sort of some some gas, some gas pipeline or something like that. that he's going off trading. But if you own that thing, you wouldn't want to leave it. So you'd want people to come to you to bring 
their goods in exchange. Like he's just out, like he seems like a nomad. If you own like some type of energy source, you would protect it and you would stay there. You wouldn't like go out and sort of trade it in individual things. You would get people to bring shit to you. That way you don't ever like leave it unprotected. So I, I don't yeah. know. It didn't make too much sense. It really doesn't fucking matter. It was just like my first thought was, oh, a fat guy. That doesn't make too much sense. Yeah. Like, it was almost like they didn't want to, they were like, had some type of casting thing where like, oh my goodness, we're only casting super fit, attractive people. We've got to cast at least one fat fucker in here. So just throw throw him into like some non-important scene where he tries to trade someone to they eat something. <laughs> they could have just thrown him into living in hope. Yeah, or but I think it was funny. Is like not only did they like cast a fat guy to be there, but it was just like, let's make him hungry. <laughs> let's make him want to eat a person in exchange for casting. <laughs> all right, so um, all right, there's not too many other scenes I want to talk about. There is just the last scene, but it could be the last like 15 minutes or whatever. Uh, um, what do you think overall of the whole like experience with her and the with Keanu Reeves, who's a cult leader, and then also her ditching that sort of city to live with Jason? I I, I feel like there's sort of like a we- I want to know what your thoughts on the message of the movie is in a sense because it was almost like oh I'm going to ditch a life of drugs for a life of cannibalism, and it's almost like we're supposed to expect that that's sort of virtuous or what what what, what were your thoughts on it because it was sort of a weird thing to left to be interpreted that is i mean i really don't know what what she's got against hope to be honest i guess it's because maybe now i mean the little girl was gonna have a better life than hope but she wasn't gonna have her dad so well, the little girl wasn't. She was gonna be like sort of like a, I want to say a sex slave, but she uh, was gonna... no, she was when she got to be fourteen or twelve or whatever yeah, it was. So yeah I, yeah, I don't know if it was like a slave, but I think he just wanted to like always have like his seed, so to speak. So I don't know if it was like I don't think the implication was it was rape. Was it? Do you think the implication was rape or did, it really? It wasn't too. It's just. <laughs> I think it's almost like a. Parody on like um, most of these religious sex yeah. cults that happen, yeah. and like you know, it's always like this older guy who's got like a harem of yeah, you so know, everlasting brides. Like, but like he was drugging them and then manipulating them type thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it definitely. It rape. was like 100% consensual, but it wasn't like I'm gonna fucking put my knife to your throat and rape you that for yeah, but definitely still rape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, somebody is definitely rape, yeah. <laughs> and um, that's the whole thing, is Counter Reeves revealed in, like, sort of the end, is that that's how he sort of rules the city, or whatever, is that he sort of controls the economy of what he... He says the economy of hope is, and he points to all the drugs, which is acid or, uh, you know, MDMA. I don't really know exactly what it is. I guess it's acid or whatever. But that's how he sort of... That's how he is in charge, is he gives the people sort of, he gives them drugs and they give him power kind of thing in exchange. Yeah, and I mean, I, I feel like the shit scene carrying away 
spiel is like him trying to explain to Arlen, like, I don't know why he's pleading for her to stay. No, I, I don't. I, I really have no idea why he even gives one giant fuck about her unless he's just sort of attracted to her being like a kind of hot amputee. But like, it's sort but, of I mean, like, doesn't he plea, like kind of plea for her? I mean, wouldn't you say that? I mean, I think he, I think he like sees her as a vessel, another vessel to put his seat in. But like, I don't. It is sort of like a weird. It goes from zero to sixty, very, very quickly in terms of, oh, you don't know me, but now I want you to be a part of this, and like almost instantly, like you would think the first time, like she was in that sort of the scene we talked about first when they had that rave. He might have like sort of seen her. They they would have shown him like sort of like being interested in her or something like that. But like you don't get that at all. It's it's very, it's she's only in that place because she's trying to save the girl, and then it goes from zero to, do you want to stay here and be a part of my cult really quick? Yeah, and I guess that's, I guess it's because she knows that. Miami man can't live at hope. And I don't, I really have no idea. I don't think the camel people want to live there because they, they know that the, that a, uh, uh, well, maybe you're, you're probably right. Maybe they can't. I, I don't know. There's probably some pre-existing conflict that we're not a hundred percent privy to because like I said, like, like you, they they protect the city with like people standing on top of those, um, what do you say like uh, what we call them, whatever the city walls. They're they're city, they're on top of them, uh, protecting them with like AK forty sevens and shit like that. So they definitely know there's a threat outside with those cannibal people that maybe they think they're gonna come in and cause havoc. But I don't know if it's like a he can't live there type. I really don't know. I, they're not because they're not like branded differently. I mean, I almost think like if he wanted to, he could. But I, I think we're sort of losing the point. Um, but what? So she basically does like a, she like holds one of his pregnant wives hostage with her gun, and then just uses that as a means to escape. And then that's almost the final scene in the sense that she sort of escapes and chooses to live a life outside of that city and wants to live with Jason Momoa and his daughter kind of thing. So it's almost like she's given up sort of the communal living to live in a more hostile environment because it's more real and honest in a sense. But like I said, they never show. What is she going to eat? That's, that's the thing is the, they, they only that they only eat people. So I, I don't understand what, what virtue there is in it other than she wants to be sort of in some monogamous relationship with Jason Momoa. I don't understand. Like that's what I was getting at. I don't understand what the thing is, what they're doing. Like, it's like, all right. So yeah, we're going to have like a wife and husband type relationship, but we're still going to kill people and eat their limbs. Like I I don't, there was sort of like, I don't, I really, But in the scene where um, they like spend the night by the campfire, that's she, like she doesn't eat it, and she tells him she hates him. Well, that's a rabbit. Oh, oh, oh wait. No, wait. the rabbit's at the very end. Yeah, the rabbit's at the end. Yeah. And I mean that's that's it. That's the only rabbit. That's that's there's not another yeah, rabbit. Yeah, there's no more rabbits. If they are, they're 
totally infected with some nuclear fucking disease, right? I mean, that's, they're in they're in a radiation zone, so maybe they're just like, let's get cancer and die quickly together. Um, <laughs> that's that's the romance of it. It's like go inhale all sorts of radiation and make love, and then we'll die in thirty minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I really don't know. I really have no clue what what the overall sort of message is with it, because the implication is that she's just going to go back with him and eat more people. <laughs> and it's almost sort of like a Stockholm syndrome type thing where it's like she left, but then she's like, I realize I, I enjoy being with my captors more kind of. It's like, I, I don't, uh, you know, it's a very it's a quick very... Stockholm syndrome. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, what's the time span you think of the movie? Like, Three days, two days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It could be, literally, it could be one day. I really don't know. Yeah, it could just be one really long. It could be an hour. All right. I'm going to hold that thought. Yeah. I think it's obvious, though, that the movie was fucking confusing. I thought it was very interesting, but I, I kind of, um, <laughs> it was enjoyable, but it was confusing. It also had tons of where you can say yeah I'm blessed. but so anyways we're sort of pressing a little bit I think for time but we're going to go on to the next segment which I you know what you know what Rod I'm going to include a bunch of sound effects in here that you're going to flip your shit over because I'm going to do them like on the mic <laughs> okay I'm, gonna include them after. I'm not going to do them here but I'm going to do when you listen to it later you're going to be like what <laughs> um, all right, so we're gonna, we're gonna call this real. I don't know what the t I don't know what we're gonna call this, but for now, it's just gonna be real or fake quotes. So basically, the premise of this segment is that um, I extracted some real quotes from the movie, and I also wrote some fake ones myself. To, you know, to <laughs> my writing skills. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna see if Rod knows that these are real or fake. And this is perfect too because it's been about a week since. We both have watched this movie. So, Rod, are you ready? Do you have your thinking cap on? He, he just went and grabbed the cap. And it's definitely going to help him recall if these are real quotes or fake quotes. So here you go. You ready for number one? Yeah. Strange, isn't it? Here we are in the darkest corner of the earth, and we're afraid <laughs> of our own kind. Fake. Nope. <laughs> that was real. <laughs> That was real. It was said Harlan. Dude, can we start over? I want to be one for. I want to be a hundred. No, 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 no. You got it. No, we're 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 starting out. Starting out from one. You'll be better the next time. But this is perfect because it's been a week. All right, next one. You ready? <laughs> Comfort is just the destination. The dream is the ticket. And what did that ticket cost for you? An arm and a leg. Real. That's fake. <laughs> Dude, that's real. That's fake. You can't just paraphrase shit. That was no, 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 no. No, the, the last part's a little <laughs> paraphrase, but the first part is very, very fake. Especially the comfort is a destination part. I mean, that, <laughs> and, and especially the dream is a ticket part. The cost part is real. The cost part is kind of real. So I did kind of combine two. So you're kind of right, but the cost part, I still changed it. But you're right. You probably got hooked on the cost part, but yeah, the first part. Okay, okay. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a half point on that. I'm going to give you a half. So point five. 
All right, next one. You take care of the garden and it takes care of you back. You feed it, it feeds you. Few things in this world operate like that. Dude, that is definitely from the shit spiel. You're right. That's real. That's real. So you got a one and a half now. Good job. Thinking cap worked. Next one. You ready? You ready? Fired up. All right. Follow the white rabbit. I feel like the DJ. I mean, it's not official till I say the word real or fake. So don't no. think it out loud here. You don't. can think it out loud as long as you want. I feel like that is what the DJ says before the little minion administers the doses. But that also just seems too fake to be real. So it's probably real. So what's your final answer? Fake. All right, you got it. That's actually a quote from The Matrix. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and because I only included it because there's there's, there's weird like rabbits in this, and also Keanu Reeves is dressed in that white fucking suit. So I was like, okay, that kind of combines the two. So you're two and a half right now, Robert. You did a really know, good Robert. job at a poker face there. Okay, all right, here we go. Next one. I have your leg. You know where my girl is. You can't use fucking subtitles. No, that's not, no, that's not a subtitle. I'm sorry, this one's hard. Um, do we get? A, do I get a lifeline? I mean, I don't know who you could call. Yeah. All right. So he's gonna ask his, his pub right now. Uh, French bulldog's name's Willie. I think Willie has seen the movie more times than Mr. Rod Budman, and he's whispering sweet nothings into his ear right now. We'll see. <clears throat> he says that that is fake. Oh, we got 3.5, so Rod is on a heater right now. <laughs> this is the most fun I've had in a while. All right. Sorry. We got two more, and then we're going to move on to the next game. And then we'll uh, wrap this up. But two more real or fake quotes. And then next game. All right. You ready? Ready. Cows stand in their shit because they're cows. Pigs stand real. in their shit. Okay. <laughs> we talked too much about the shit quote. I, knew, I just had to include that one because <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I'm going to read it out just for the people who haven't seen it. So Rob, I mean, uh, Rod. All right, so cows stand in their shit because they're cows. And you got to imagine uh, Keanu Reeves saying this as a sort of a cultist drug lord. So cows stand in their shit because they're cows. Pigs stand in their shit because they're pigs. Some misbehaving humans making hamburgers out of my sons and daughters. But we're not cows. We don't stand in our shit. I mean, obviously, you knew that one from the beginning. And uh, but we're not cows. We don't stand in our shit. Is obviously I would have used that for my senior quote if this movie would have come out while we were in high school. But uh, <laughs> that's a great one. All right, last one, Rod. You ready? You're you've only missed one, and you got a half point on another. So you're on a you're on a very good heater right now. All right, 
water, sex, and drugs. That's the economy of comfort. Fake. God damn it. All right. You 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 got a little sleuth brain or I'm not up to the challenge. I do think this one was hard to write for though because there was so little dialogue. So I'm gonna give myself a pass on this. But you you got five and a half out of seven, which is that's I think that's a good score. I would I'll say. give you a pass too, because there's no dialogue. There's the very little dialogue in this. Twenty-two minutes. Yeah, I know. Okay. So that was a great first game of that. We're gonna definitely be I'm gonna We'll just ask Rod if you would rather one thing happen or not. But here we go. So as we know, the main character gets her arms and legs, her, her one arm and one leg cut off, Rod. So here's the question. Would you rather date a girl that has no arms or would you rather date a girl that has no legs? Dude. Dude. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just answer the question. Dude, you, can't, you can't say that. Yes, you can. No less. There's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer unless you just want to, or you can say you would you'd rather have her that has one arm and one leg. That's kind of best of both worlds, but that's kind of cheating. But go ahead. I'd probably go with that. You go with that. <laughs> I mean, whichever one would be easier. For the per for yeah, so now you're now you're thinking selfishly. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking, no arms. If there's no arms, she can move around, which I think is great. But no arms, that means you're probably you're wiping someone's ass a lot. Is that true? Do you think that's what happens in relationships? I think that's probably how it works. Yeah. So I was going with, I was going no legs just because I don't want to wipe asses. Because I'm going to answer you... the questions too, Rod. Okay. <laughs> or you could get a bidet. Yeah. I, oh, you're probably right. I, I just, I mean, I don't mind pushing somebody around if they have no legs. Like, I don't mind doing that. Like, I'm walking too, like, a wheelchair is not a big deal. I just don't want to have to be like, you know. Life and everything. All right. <laughs> we'll do another. Would you rather? Um, we got four more. Would you rather take the acid or ecstasy from the city comfort? Or would you rather take acid or S ecstasy from some random um, look in a fish lot? Probably the fish lot. Really? Yeah, I don't trust, trust Keanu. You don't trust Keanu? You think that's... Uh, no, he looked like he was dealing with some really potent stuff. And I think the guy on the fish slots... The fish slot guy's just trying to have, help you have a good time. But Keanu Reeves is trying to control your brain. Yeah, I think he's like a scientist too. So I think he's... 
I don't know. He sounds like that. he's definitely. What would you choose? No, I was going to choose the fish lot too, but I didn't know if you'd choose comfort because it sounded like it was more. I would almost say it's safer. I would say it's safer in terms you wouldn't die. I'd say the fish lot is safer in terms of it's not going to manipulate your brain to just follow the look around forever. Yeah. He's, yeah. Like, I feel like Counter Reeves is trying to control your whole thought process. The look guy's just trying to make some money, but he might, he doesn't really know what's in it. So it's almost like a, there's a, there's a cost benefit analysis in both of them. Yeah. I think I'm still going with fish lot here. Okay. All right. This one's not as fun. Would you rather be stranded in the desert like this movie, or would you rather be stranded out at sea? Uh, well, in a boat or on an island? We'll say boat. But that, that doesn't mean you know, that, that means there's no that doesn't mean there's no possibility of ever reaching land. It just means would you like you're both you just dropped off in the middle of the desert. No communication. Dropped off in the middle of the sea in a boat. No communication. I'm going to go with the, the ocean. Do you even care how big the boat is? No. No? No, just... that sounds miserable, being in the desert. At least in the water, you know, this is just thinking, yeah, you know, the... you could go for a swim. Yeah. Quick days into it. Yeah. Whereas quick... in the desert, you can go to bed, but you're still going to wake up for a couple of days. Yeah, and I've got really fair skin, too. I don't know how long I'd last in the other. So I, I, I was thinking, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I didn't really have an answer for this one. I, I probably, I feel like at least at sea, not only did you say you could take a dip, but there is like the off chance you could like construct something out of like your clothing to like catch a fish or something. In the desert, you're not catching you're not catching anything. Like you're not catching some like fleet footed lizard or something to eat. Like you're not doing anything like that. And there's nothing of growth to eat out there. Like you're not gonna find some plant to eat. Like I feel at least at least at the sea, like you have a chance. And I, I feel like if you want to play the odds, who knows? Maybe the odds are better in the desert, but like in the sea, you have the chance of hitting blackjack. I feel like <laughs> it's better. If, if you've make... got a paper clip in your pocket, you're yeah. in luck because you yeah. can make a fishing hook. All right, last one, and then we'll uh, we'll beg people to listen by subscribing and rating our uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> would you rather be friends with Miami guy, who's Jason Momoa, super beefy, protective cannibal, or Keanu Reeves? The polyamorous drug lord cult leader. Miami man. Yeah. Miami man all day. What about you? <laughs> Are we talking about I didn't clarify this. Are we talking about in the the world of Bad Batch? Or are we talking about just in real life? Both. I think both. I think Miami Man would be fun to hang out with. He's also artistic. Yeah, like unbelievable sketcher. And um, yeah, I think in I real feel, life, I feel like Miami man is the better longtime friend. I'd be friends with Keanu Reeves for the weekend. Yeah, I can, well, I, I can agree with that. He's got like a pool and like he's got women 
and he's got drugs, but I, that's not like a way to sort of always like I could I would not want to be there for more than a weekend because it would just be it would just be too much. Like I could feel my my younger self being like intoxicated with that, but right now I'd be like, um, okay, when does this end? When when this is over, I've got to go. Like I need at least. <laughs> I need like a couple days of just laying on the couch. I can't deal with this every fucking night, which I feel like that's what Keanu Reeves does. Like he's committed to the lifestyle of doing that all day, every day, 24-7. Yeah. I think, um, right. Plus, I mean, you could just go out and ride mopeds with Miami Man, which is always a good time. Have like a boombox playing some cool music and just take a cruise on the moped in the desert. <laughs> a few beers if you could find some so who knows plus they got they've got morphine or something so i mean there's probably nothing more fun than cruising around and someone <laughs> just being in the area driving around high on morphine and some mopeds so i mean if that's up for grabs then i probably know who i'm choosing but <laughs> like um i feel like i've got one like long-term friend and short-term friend i would like to i would keep i would keep counter reach's number just in case I ever got bored. <laughs> <laughs> but probably would stick with Miami Man for the yeah, long yeah. haul. Yeah. Like, would you go out into the bad batch? I would not. Would, all right. So here's here's even let's let's expand this question just a little bit. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not going to like eat his food. Like, so <laughs> you just like it, Wait, just, Keanu's or Miami Man's? Uh, Miami Man. I'm not eating people. But like, if you had to just go into the Bad Batch for vacation, just for like a two-day vacation, who would you hang out with? Would you go, you're like, all right, let's do a fun weekend in the Bad Batch. Would you go, Keanu Reeves, let's do acid? Or would you go be like, I'll lift weights and ride mopeds with Miami Man? I'd probably ride mopeds, listen to Ace of Base, <laughs> be a happy camper. The whole shit scene just makes Keanu Reeves very strange. Yeah, you're probably right. You would probably get so tired of his like quasi-philosophical bullshit that you'd be like, all right, you're so high and so fucked up that you've taken too much acid that you're talking out of your ass now. <laughs> like, you, could, you could probably just... like Keanu Reeves is probably like if you cut him open sort of like in terms like when you know if you cut open a tree and you can see how like many years it's alive right you'd be like oh this has 134 rings like keanu reeves in this movie if like you cut him open and you can see how many like acid trips he's taken and it's probably like thousands and thousands like he's just got rings around <laughs> like, okay I, I get it this guy is completely out of his fucking mind um all right so that's going to be the end of this episode uh i think we should we we do we're gonna have the Instagram page up. I don't have a tagline for it yet, but we do have an email, which is uh three guys two beers one movie at gmail.com. We will have after this episode is up, we will have the Instagram and Twitter going, and then probably maybe a Facebook. I don't know if I want to do Facebook just because there's so many weird people on there. Um Matthew <laughs> McDozier. Yeah, I just don't want to communicate with my past self. So um but uh no if everyone listens right now everyone who's still listening because this was so entertaining please go and 
give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to this and keep subscribing, keep listening. And then the next episode, I'll give you all the information on Instagram and Twitter. So, um, Rod, do you want to give a little sign up? Do you want to, do you want to tell them something at the end? Just keep on budding.